our scripture reader Luke is coming forward to uh, stand ready at the lectern. And while he does that, I want to remind us all that we're in a three-week series on women from scripture. And the subtitle to that series is uh, Fierce, Faithful, and Strong, Women from Scripture Who Changed the Game. We heard last week about Esther. Next week we're going to hear about Martha. Today we hear about an unnamed woman who meets Jesus in a crowd and has an encounter with him. Even though she doesn't have a name, her, star, her story is powerful, and it affects the way that we understand our faith even today. So let's hear this story from Scripture. Now, there was a woman who had been suffering from hemorrhages for 12 years. And though she had spent all she had on physicians, no one could cure her. She came up behind him, touched the fringe of his clothes, and immediately her hemorrhage stopped. Then Jesus asked, who touched me? When all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowds surround you and press in on you. But Jesus said, someone touched me, for I noticed that power had gone out from me. When the woman saw that she could not remain hidden, she came trembling and, falling down before him, she declared in the presence of all the people, why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. The word of God for the people of God.
such perfect peace. I feel such sweet release. Your love let me live again. Your love set me free. Help of the helpless. Friend of the God, we pray that you would turn to us today. We pray that we would experience your Holy Spirit moving in our midst and that we would find healing. In Jesus' name, amen. My family had a rock garden when I was little, growing up, and we had rocks from a whole variety of different places. We had field stones from my grandparents' farm. Uh, we had pebbles that we picked up on the beach. We also had some limestone rocks from outside of Lexington, Lexington, Kentucky, where my parents used to live. Limestone forms a lot of the rock down there in rock walls and in riverbeds down in that area. And it's not the hardest of stones, but it was frequently used to build foundations. And you can still see many limestone foundations down in that area. And so we had these limestone rocks in my rock garden growing up. And some of them had deep, circular indents in the rock. Even in a rock this thick, you might find a hole that went almost all the way through the rock. Because year after year, some of these limestone rocks had had water dripping on them. Now, at first blush, and certainly when I was a kid, you kind of think, well, how can water do that to a rock? That's just, that doesn't make sense, especially when you're a kid. You go, I don't understand. You're talking about years, but that doesn't make sense to me. But we all know that it's only really a matter of time before water can wear anything down, even stone. Now, it's not a matter of days or weeks. It's a matter of years. It's a matter of a really long time for water to wear down a stone. But after years of that kind of weathering from above, just that drip, 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 even a stone can experience some kind of erosion, can be worn away a little bit by that kind of constant pressure. And I feel like that's the story of this woman from Scripture that we just heard about. She's worn away by her condition day after day and year after year of suffering with this disease. Scripture tells us that this woman was bleeding. Now, depending on the translation that you go to, it could be they might say suffering from a hemorrhage or having an issue of blood or subject to bleeding. But depending on what translation you're looking at, it all points to the same thing. She had a health issue. And this woman was suffering. She'd been suffering for 12 years with this health issue and no doctors had been able to help her. 
Now, perhaps it shouldn't be that surprising that she wasn't able to find medical attention that was able to offer answers, because even today in 2019, there are many women's health issues that we just don't really have adequate ways to address. Think about um, endometriosis or PCOS or miscarriage or infertility. They're just all these things that we don't have adequate medical response to, and it's only now that we're talking about them more. And then there are things like autoimmune disorders or chronic pain disorders that disproportionately affect women, and yet it's only recently that we're coming up with treatments for some of these things. And so looking at 2,000 years ago, perhaps we should not be surprised that she couldn't find a doctor that would give her answers. Some of these conditions that I've just named are chronic, and so it's not just about one single moment, it's about each day when something small happens that wears us down just a little bit dealing with whatever diagnosis we have. And for this unnamed woman in scripture, she's got very few options. The doctors she saw were expensive. Scripture tells us she had already given everything that she had to these physicians. Now, based on the way scripture spells this out, I'm guessing there wasn't just one doctor. There were many doctors. And it wasn't just one appointment. It was appointment after appointment after appointment where she received no conclusive answer, no possibility of healing. And so it's like that water on the stone just wearing away at her a little bit at a time, a little bit with each appointment, with each doctor, with each moment. Now, perhaps even worse than the health crisis itself for this woman, she was also ostracized because in the Jewish scripture, they had these purity laws about women who were bleeding. They had all kinds of things that could be potentially ritually unclean, and women with blood was one of them. And if you read the law codes in Leviticus chapter 15, which I know you're all eager to do in your free time, uh, you can find out really how this spells, how the law codes spell this thing out. Any woman who is menstruating or bleeding for any reason is deemed impure or unclean. And everywhere a bleeding woman sits, is also deemed unclean. Anywhere she lays down to rest is also unclean. Anybody who touches her, whether it's a hug or a handshake or just brushing against her, they're also unclean. So you can imagine how this thing snowballs and there's just all kinds of ways to make something or somebody unclean. This woman is suffering not just for a day with this situation, not just for a week like most women in, in Jewish times would have. She's suffering for 12 years. And effectively, that cut her off from the rest of her community because nobody wanted her around if she was going to make everything unclean. And she certainly couldn't go to worship because you had to be clean to enter the temple. And yet there she is in this crisis of an unclean state, and she can't come seeking God. Which when more are you likely to seek God than in the midst of a crisis? It's kind of a messed up system. But there she is. She's suffering alone in this ongoing medical crisis. She's suffering alone until she hears about Jesus passing through town and she decides to brave the crowds and reach out and touch Jesus' cloak, which would have been unthinkable in its boldness. Now we may look at her story and say, well, certainly she had friends and family, didn't she? How could she suffer alone for so long? And yet, how many of us suffer alone, like this woman from Scripture? We don't live with purity codes like she did, but suffering does seem to cause a little bit of isolation because there's a barrier. Like, people don't know how 
to interact with us once we've suffered something painful. Now, sometimes we suffer alone because we're ashamed. Many diseases, for example, bring with them symptoms that we don't like, or our body isn't predictable, and we think, well, I'm just not going to worry about going out because it's too much. And so slowly we cut ourselves off. Now, sometimes we suffer alone because we feel like our suffering is in, in some way taboo. We're afraid to talk about it. We feel like, uh, like there's shame associated with whatever we or our family member is struggling with. Sometimes we suffer alone because we feel like we just can't leave the house. Maybe you're a full-time caregiver. It's not easy to pick up and go if you're caring for somebody else in your life. It's difficult to go to the grocery store, let alone church or an outing with friends. Sometimes we suffer alone because our pain feels a little bit too unique, too personal, too painful to talk about. We think nobody's really going to understand that. So why should I even bring it up? But that's the thing. As Christians, we don't need to suffer alone. We're not made to suffer in isolation. We can always reach towards Jesus for healing, like this woman in the scripture passage does. And like, unlike her, we can lean on our community of faith for support. We don't have to go things alone. Now reach out to Jesus. You might reach out to Jesus through prayer. If you're in pain, you're going through a difficult time, you might get down on your knees and just pray to God, Lord, break through, show me something, give me a sign, speak to me. That might be one way. Maybe God will just send you a calming presence when you reach out in prayer. Another way to reach out to Jesus is through opening up your Bible and reading scripture. I saw a post uh, not too long ago on social media that said, how can you say God is silent if your Bible is shut? And while it is sort of a pithy saying that you can just toss out there into the world, I thought it was pretty accurate. So often we say, well, God's not saying anything to me. And yet we're not seeking through scripture and through prayer to see what else God might have to say. We feel like we've heard it all and we feel like God is silent. Sometimes we reach out to Jesus just through connecting with other people who can offer us support, who can offer a listening ear who can perhaps relieve those burdens that we're trying to carry all by ourselves for some unknown reason, for any of the reasons that I just listed earlier in the sermon. We can reach out. We don't have to stay isolated. This woman in scripture with no name, she's bold. She's bold. To go out into the crowd like that with the condition that she had, to reach out and touch the Son of God in her unclean state. Nobody would have advised her to take the path of action that she took, but she did it because she was desperate, and she was in need of healing, and she thought she had been through all the possible answers on this earth, and so she said, okay, I'm going to go see this Jesus fellow and see what he has to offer. And Jesus doesn't turn her away. Jesus does not reject her, which he should have done based on the purity codes. Instead, he looks at her, he talks to her, he sees her, and he says, Daughter, you have been healed. Your faith has healed you. He calls her daughter, which is this familiar term. Not that she's literally his daughter, that does not make sense in the reading of this passage, but that she's a family member. She's close enough that she's connected. This woman who's been isolated and been cut off from everybody else, he says, Daughter, child, you've been healed. The world had placed so many labels on this woman. She was the woman who was unclean, 
who was bleeding, who was diseased, who was without hope. And Jesus gives her a new label, daughter, child. One of these labels from the world might not have done her in, but they keep piling on all these different things. Impure, unclean, outcast. It wears away at you after a while. Sort of like water wearing away at a stone. The world didn't know how to deal with a woman like her, and so they cast her out. She was inconvenient to them. And so she didn't have a community until she made contact with Jesus. Many of us can identify with this woman. It's not always about a single crisis moment that makes us desperate or that shakes our faith. Now, sometimes it is. Sometimes it is that single crisis. But often we find ourselves despairing because we've been slowly worn down one day at a time. And we may not even remember exactly how things started, but we start to keep a catalog of our pain. And we think, well, that's one more comment. And that's one more look. And that's one more professional without answers. One more sleepless night. One more whatever it is. And we try to tell ourselves, it's not that big of a deal. People have it worse than me. I imagine this woman thought all of those things. But often we get tired. We get exhausted. I can guarantee you that there are people in this room this morning who are bone-tired from things wearing away at them day after day. I can guarantee you that many of us in this room are exhausted, like that woman must have been. And these are the moments when we need Jesus the most. These are the moments when we need to reach out and rely on our faith the most. And then you get to that name that Jesus calls this woman in Scripture. We don't get a real name, just daughter child. Jesus doesn't just heal her physically, he gives her a new identity. He gives her a whole new world to be a part of. Some of us are clinging to the labels that society gives us when we really should be seeking a new identity in Christ as a son or a daughter of God. Now, of course, the convicting thing about this passage is that as much as we identify with that bleeding woman who receives healing— we also often are part of the problem. We often wear other people down. And it's not with the big things, it's with those small, seemingly insignificant moments. With the looks, and the small comments, and the jokes. And sometimes it's intentional, because we're trying to show somebody how we really feel without actually coming out and seeing how we feel. It's a little bit insidious that way. And then there's other times when it's unintentional because we're just not thinking about it or we haven't uh, really thought things through. Maybe we haven't educated ourselves on what somebody in our life is going through. Maybe we haven't educated ourselves on matters that affect our friends or our family or our community like race or sex or nationality or health concerns. They're just things that we don't know about and through our ignorance contribute to other people being worn down a little bit. We need to seek to understand as much as we seek to be understood. Next week, Reverend Laura and I will be attending General Conference for our United Methodist denomination. And for those of you who are unfamiliar, it's uh, something that we've been talking about for a while now. 
we will be talking at the conference about human sexuality and how our denomination might move forward or not, since we fundamentally disagree on how we interpret scripture. We'll talk about an issue where people have worn other people down. There's a United Methodist clergy page on Facebook, and I have to tell you, it is an extremely hurtful page in which people are tearing one another down. And this is clergy people, and it's not everybody, it's definitely not everybody, but there's a small minority who are batting insults at one another on this matter of gay inclusion in the church. And people on the left and people on the right are posting on each other's posts saying, well, you can't really be a Christian, and you must not really love Jesus, and you can't really be saved because we disagree on a theological issue. It's not all clergy people, but it only takes a few to make a situation very toxic. And I don't need to read you all the hurtful phrases that are on that page, because if you've used social media, you know that people can be mean and people can be hateful. And it's not just clergy, it's so many of us out there posting on the internet about things we disagree on. Now, in terms of the Methodist Church, our denomination has been suffering and bleeding from this issue for more than 12 years. And it seems as I consider this scripture passage, aren't we all just children of God? I would love to leave the conference next week. Instead of throwing insults at one another, we would leave with a new label. Daughter, son, child of God. If the story with the bleeding woman tells us anything, it's that Jesus does not run from the people who approach him desperate for what he has to offer. Even when society doesn't understand them or thinks they're unclean, by all accounts, what Jesus should have done is rebuked this woman and left her. But he doesn't. He talks to her, he sees her, he heals her. This is a powerful moment. Who are we to prevent people from seeking Jesus? This faith community is a place where we welcome one another so that we can reach towards Jesus together. This is a place where we set aside the labels that the world wants to give us in favor of the labels that God offers us as sons and daughters of God. This is a place where we find healing through Christ, not where we hurt other people. This is a place where we seek to be known and understood. And this is a place where we seek to understand through the grace of Jesus Christ. There are so many things in this world that will wear us down. Like water wearing down a stone. It happens slowly, day after day. But I gotta tell you, thinking about the rocks in my parents' rock garden, those rocks with the holes in them, with the indents in them, those are some of the most beautiful rocks that we had in our rock garden because they were unique, they were special, they looked beautiful. You know, Jesus talked about stones too. He said that the stone rejected by the builders would one day become a foundation cornerstone. And perhaps that can be true of us too. Perhaps God can take us with all our flaws, with all our shortcomings, whatever burdens we carry with us, and make us cornerstones through our faith. Despite the pains that we carry, our promise in Christ is that we are never alone. Christ doesn't promise that we won't experience pain, that we won't experience suffering, but instead that we will not suffer by ourselves, because we are with a God who knows what it means to suffer, 
And we are alongside one another on this journey. So may we this week reach out to Jesus through prayer, through scripture, through talking with other believers. May we find healing in Jesus. May we claim that label as sons and daughters, children of God. And may we seek to see that label in the faces of those we encounter. Sons and daughters of God, may that be said of us. Amen.